Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. And on today's episode, it's a surprise episode. My producer has actually wanted to change things up and said, hey Adam, I know you like to do a lot of research when you do your ad mails, but we're gonna have some fun. And this week I told him, you know what? Just send me three random questions, three of the best questions from YouTube that you found, and I don't wanna prepare. I wanna be challenged. So he put together three questions. I'm just looking at them now. He actually just emailed them to me like 10 minutes ago. So I've actually had a few minutes to kind of look at them, gather my thoughts, but I think I'm gonna be okay. I think I got this. So let's get going. Two questions seem to be on conversions, one on valuation. Not super difficult. Uh, I thought that I'd at least get challenged a little bit more significance, but so far so good. So first question is, my husband and I both have IRAs and we purchased property has built up cash from tenant rental income. Can we convert it to a Roth IRA? Is it wise? We purchased a property for 215K, it's worth 370. We're between, we're in our sixties. So great question. Thank you. So again, when you're talking about Roth conversions, there's really no right or wrong answer, right? There's a couple factors to talk about, and I've done a bunch of videos on this stuff. Obviously your age is important. Younger you are, the more potential growth you have, obviously in your account, uh, if you do a conversion, right? 30 versus 80, you're going to generally live longer and you'll have more chance for your account to grow without tax. So that's number one. Number two, can you pay the tax, right? You gotta be able to pay the tax. If you convert 300,000 bucks, 370, you're looking at, let's say 30% tax, right? So 80, 90 grand at least. Maybe you have some seductions, some losses, you can offset the tax, but still you're looking at a good taxable number. So you need to be able to digest that and not go into bankruptcy to pay the tax on the conversion. And then ultimately, you know, what, are your intentions with the investment, right? There's nothing worse than paying tax up front and then the investment faltering and you've just paid tax on a much higher value than what it's worth. And I always give the example of Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, Enron, if, if people are, remember uh, back in the early 2000s. So how about, how about if you did a Roth conversion on Enron stock and then six months later it goes bankrupt, you just pay tax on a huge value and now you have nothing left to show for it. So that is obviously the uh, worst case scenario. Best case scenario is you do a conversion on 370 and the, the value of the property goes up tremendously and you now have everything in Roth. And so long as you're over 59 and a half, Roth's been open five years, everything's tax-free. So that's obviously on the flip side, the best case scenario. So should you do it? I don't know. I mean, it, it's your money. <laughs> um, Obviously, you know, as a tax lawyer, there's two things we try to do is deferral, try to defer paying tax as long as you can. And obviously the, the you know, winning strategy ultimately is not paying tax. So you're doing a good job deferring. If you do decide to pay the tax, well, you're gonna pay the tax now. And then the goal is you're in your 60s, hopefully in the next 10, 15 years, the property really appreciates it. 
really appreciate, excuse me, and then you can give it to a spouse or your children, and then your children will have 10 years to take the money out if it's in a Roth tax-free. If it's not in a Roth, uh, based off tax. So the last thing to consider is this. What will be your income tax bracket when you retire? If you tell me, hey, Adam, I'm going to be making lots of money. I'm going to be paying 25, 35% tax rate, or let's say 35 plus. I'm going to have lots of passive income, lots of, I'm still going to work. I don't plan on retiring. Then, you know, Roth conversions maybe have more value than if you said, no, I'm going to be playing golf. I'm just going to have, you know, minimal income to live off. I don't need much more. My lifestyle is pretty simple. I don't have many expenses. Kids are out of the house. Then I'd say, hey, maybe a conversion doesn't make sense because your tax rate's low anyway. So even if you pull 30, 40, 60, 80 grand out, maybe your tax rate's in the 20, 15, 20%. Maybe it's not horrible just to suck it up and pay the tax. So that's kind of the answer. Uh, I wish I could give you a more succinct, more concrete, uh, right or wrong answer, but I'm going to pull my lawyer card and say, hey, I'm going to take both sides and kind of walk away, which what lawyers are trained to do. Second question. Does an IRA owner have to provide a one-year statement of their portfolio value to IRA Financial? If so, how is the statement provided? It's using decentralized products. So, yeah, we have to receive a value of your account as of 1231. So clearly, if you have stocks, well, that's pretty easy. Cryptos is actually pretty easy too, right? You go online, type in the coin, 1231. You give us the value and you multiply it by the amount of coins you have. So cryptos, anything liquid is easy to determine. Uh, real estate, private business investments, private equity, investment funds, somewhat more difficult, right? Because at that point, you need to kind of get a valuation. Um, so you can ask the general partner or the manager of the fund you know, to provide some valuations. Sometimes it's not possible. If you're not taking a required minimum distribution, so you're under 72, or you're not taking an in-kind distribution, then... Obviously, the value, do your best. You don't need to pay a lot of money to get one. In fact, just if you don't give us a value, we're going to use the one from last year or, or the one you initially used when you funded your investment. So it's not the end of the world if you can't get a detailed, detailed value. Do your best, obviously. Uh, again, if you don't provide us anything, we're just going to use what you, we have on file. Uh, but if you're over 72 or you're taking uh, a distribution of that asset, i.e. real estate, then you need to do a really good job and get a valuation. It doesn't have to be you know, something that you're paying Price Waterhouse to do, but you want it to be uh, as accurate as possible because again, it, your tax is based off that value. So you're going to want to be careful. Uh, again, the IRS doesn't even have to buy your value, right? They generally do. I've really never seen a situation where the IRA, uh, IRS excuse me, criticizes or at least um, confronts a value of an IRA and an RMD situation, but I guess it is possible that they determine that the valuation wasn't accurate um, because you're trying to reduce the value so you pay less taxes. Guess that is possible, but um, I'm not sure that that's you know generally the, the, the state of the the IRS when it comes to value. So to answer your question, yeah, we need a value. If it's stocks or cryptos, just give us a number. If it's real estate, you can use Trulia, um, an online site, use tax records, have a realtor give it a value. Um, same with an investment fund, private equity, private business. Do your best. I know sometimes it's just you know, really not possible, but uh, do your best. And then again, if you are over 72 or you uh, are taking an asset in kind, then we're going to need more. We're going to need something in writing from someone independent saying, hey, this asset is worth X. Um, 
And, and that's just something uh, we're going to need to know. Third question. And hey, these questions aren't that bad. I, I may do this more often where I kind of just get random questions and don't get to prepare. It's kind of more fun. So I'm going to talk to my producer, Barry, about this. Um, IRA Financial, thank you. Um, your Roth conversion mistakes. Number two states, it's a bad idea to use part of the Roth conversion to pay tax. I get that. But how about using 100% of my IRMD, which I'm required to do, to pay the tax on the conversion? Then a subsequent Roth conversion with my tax for the conversion already covered. So I guess what you're trying to do is, let's say you have 100,000 bucks in a pre-tax IRA, you're over 72, you got to take, let's say $3,000 out. You take that $3,000 out and you use it to pay tax on a converted amount um, of, of other pre-tax funds. You can do that. Not a bad strategy, actually. Just one thing to keep in mind, the 3,000 bucks you're getting on that RMD, you're going to have to pay tax on it. So you're going to have to net out, let's say the 20 or 30% tax because um, that's going to the IRS. So then whatever's left, you can use that cash to pay the tax on future um, conversions. That That's not a bad idea. Uh, actually, I haven't heard that before. It's kind of smart. Um, you know, just make sure that you got enough um, you know, you plan it out and you're going to have enough income cash to pay the tax on future, um, conversions, but not a bad strategy at all. Uh, cause you're using some cash flow that you may not need to do it. Now, of course, if you need the RMD to live off, then, you know, the strategy may not work, uh, may not be sensible because you're going to actually need that money to live off and you're not going to ultimately have all that money to, uh, available to pay the tax on the conversion. So, it's okay. I mean, I think that makes more sense than um, you know, paying tax on a conversion, pulling extra money out. Um, doesn't make sense. I hate when people do that because generally people don't realize this, but when you do a conversion, you generally have to um, wait five years before you, and at least you're 59 and a half, but five years till you pull the converted amount out. And if you're over 59 and a half, you can pull the converted amount out anytime you want. Uh, just not the earnings on that. The earnings, you need to wait five years. So if you're under 59 and a half, doing a conversion and then grabbing some of that money to pay the tax won't work because you're going to actually penalize and tax yourself again. So it only works if you're over 59 and a half. This seems like a, a nice strategy. Uh, you're just going to have to obviously calculate what the conversion would be um, to uh, obviously satisfy uh, or use that, that money from that RMD to pay the tax. So there you go. This was fun. Three questions I did not get to prepare for. But I think I did okay. I think I got it. So uh, we'll we'll flip this in. I think this was a little bit more fun. I and mean, hopefully the questions next time will be a little more challenging. I feel good about myself. So I will talk to uh, my producer and we will f have some fun with ad mail. Why not? Let's do it. This is fun stuff, right? Questions on self-directed retirement accounts. I love this stuff. People, probably a bit of a nerd, um, dork, you would say, because uh, this stuff actually you know, gets me excited. Nothing, uh, there's other stuff that does. I uh, can't say it doesn't, but, uh, you know, helping people learn more. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was talking to a client yesterday and, and the client's like, I have an IRA, a SEP IRA. I want to roll it into a traditional IRA. Someone told me I only can do that once a year. And I'm like, no, you can do direct rollovers anytime you want. It's only indirect you can do once every 12 months. He's like, what do you mean? They told me, and this is my financial advisor, Morgan Stanley. He said, I can't do it because I already did it 12 months ago. So no, that's an indirect. This is direct. And the fact that people don't understand these rules is crazy because it's impacting people's ability to get access to those funds to make investments. So 
education's key. It sh I shouldn't even have to do this, right? We all should know these rules. Uh, however, they're not taught to us. We're not educated. They're about these rules. They're super complex. They shouldn't be, but they are. They're, there's a reason the publication, you know, 590, it's like 80 pages. I mean, there's two parts and it's just super confusing, these rules, because um, that's what happens when you get lobbyists, politicians, and lawyers involved. It, it becomes a mess. Um, so that's at least a little part I can do in this whole you know, process is help uh, all you guys listening, watching to hopefully have some fun with AdMail and talk uh, about three, I think, interesting questions that hopefully will make you better investors, better retirement uh, savers, and ultimately more wealthy when you retire, which is at the, end, at the end of the game, the goal. So um, there you have it. Appreciate you guys uh, listening. Um, thanks again. Subscribe if you haven't already, please, pretty please. Um, and you can check out our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And also you can watch on YouTube uh, at the IRA Financial Channel. So if you haven't already subscribed, we drop five to six videos a week and, and three podcasts. So there's lots of good content there and you can go back years and years and years and, and view our entire catalog of videos and hopefully learn something. So take care, be well, and talk to everyone again next week.